Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Almighty and gracious God, as we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed, we humbly ask that you would whisper upon our souls, speak to our hearts. And your words echo in our lives. But as all of that happens, O Lord, we pray that you would transform our souls, our hearts, so that we would leave this place, not just hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So Sam and Kaya had just gotten married. They'd been married for a couple of months. Sam was a shepherd. And his father-in-law thought that the perfect gift for them as a family was to give them 50 head of sheep, to actually give Sam a great flock upon which to build their lives together. Sam was so excited and he had his flock and he tended them day in and day out. And soon enough he found out that he and Kaya were expecting a child and he was so excited and so consumed about the idea of starting a family. And then he looked out upon the sheep He looked at the fields where they grazed and he looked at the skies and he realized that he had not seen rain in a while. He began to worry. He thought, what if the rains don't come? What if the grasses dry up and there's nothing for our sheep to eat and they don't grow and then they die? What will we do? How will I provide food? How will I provide for my wife and my child? 
how will I help my family? And he was so consumed with this worry that every day he would go out and he would look at the grass, he would look at the sheep, he would look at the skies, and he would cry out and lament. Kaya, watching her husband do this, so worried about him that she went to her father seeking advice. What do I tell him? How can I help him? And her father said, Oh, Kaya, tell him that it hasn't rained in two years. This is the year that it rains. Tell him this that I know. And so Kaya, armed with this knowledge, went and she told her husband, she told Sam that her father had said that though it had been a drought for two years, that it was going to rain this year, that this was the year that the grasses would turn green and the sheep would be well fed. And hearing this news from his wise father-in-law, Sam immediately relaxed. Quit worrying about the skies and whether the rains would fall or the grasses would turn green. Quit worrying about the future and focused on his family. And as his baby was born, held his newborn son in his arms, rocking him and smiling and enjoying being a father and a husband. And lo and behold, the rains did fall. The grass turned green enough. The sheep were fed. All was well. It came time for the shearing for the wool to be gathered in and to be taken to the market. And as he began to think about this, he started to look at his sheep again and Sam began to worry. He began to worry, what if I take the, the wool to market and no one wants to buy it? What if my wool is inferior? What if no one likes it? Whatever will we do? How will I provide for our family? How will we eat during the winter? Kaya seeing this and her husband once again, this worry rise up and consume his life and watch him fret day in and day out about it. She went to seek advice from her father once more. And he patted her on the shoulder and he said, oh Kaya, I've already taken care of this. Tell Sam that I've already lined up a buyer that will pay top price for the wool if the wool is in great condition. Tell Sam that I've got a buyer lined up that someone will buy his wool if he just brings the best wool he can to the market. And Kai went home with happiness in her heart and she shared this news with Sam and Sam received this news so wonderfully he went out and he started petting the sheep and brushing them and brushing them and washing them and getting it as white as they could and when the shearing happened he took the wool and he cleaned it again and again got it as white and as brilliant as it could it was the wooliest of wools if you will it was great and he goes into the marketplace and he's got his cart full of this wonderful wool and as he started down the aisles of the marketplace all the keepers all the buyers that would buy wool saw his wool and they said we want some of your wool we'll pay top dollar and they started paying top dollar and by the time he got to the end and he ran into his father-in-law he hung his head sort of sheepishly pun intended he did that and he hung his head and he said, Father-in-law, I'm so sorry. I know you had a buyer all lined up for me, but I have almost no wool left. He says, I couldn't get through the marketplace. Everyone wanted it. Everyone was buying it up. They were paying top dollar, even exceeding the market price. I didn't know what to tell him, so I just sold it. And his father-in-law smiled. And he said, Sam, Sam, there never was a buyer that I had lined up. I knew that if you would just focus on the things you could work on, that the wool you would bring to market would bear top price. Sam cocked his head to the side a little bit and looked at his father-in-law and he said, how did you know it was gonna rain this year? 
His father-in-law smiled and he said, Sam, these are the things of God. I don't know when the rain's going to fall, but what can you and I do about the rain falling on a field? What will our worry do to bring the rains from the heavens to the grasses to feed our sheep? Not a thing. And I knew that by telling my daughter to tell you that the rains would come, that you would quit worrying about the rain and you would enjoy being a father for the first time, that you would enjoy being a husband, that you would enjoy life and not be so consumed by your worry. And it was in that moment that Sam understood that worry, his worries about the rain, his worries about the market, couldn't do anything to change the outcome. His worry about the rain was beyond his control. His worry about who would buy and what they would pay was beyond his thought, other than if he brought the best product forward, it would bring the best price possible. It was in that moment that he began to understand a little bit about worry and about how it affects our lives and how when we worry that we lose the joy of life. See, all t- I think it's all too easy for us these days to do that, isn't it? I mean, it's in the human condition for us to worry. We worry about scarcity, about not having enough, about making sure that we have all that we need. And we worry about it as if sometimes we can do something about that. And other times we worry about the future and we fret and we worry and that is so beyond our control. We can't tell what's going to happen tomorrow. All we can do is live today. Well, that's what we're dealing with here in the 21st century. Let me give you a hint. It's been going on since the dawn of time. It's part of our human condition. It's part of the way that we're raised thinking that we know better and how to control our lives rather than turning it over to the God of the universe. See, Jesus, in the story that we heard today, Jesus is wanting to change that narrative. He wanted the followers to not miss out on the joy of life. He wanted them to realize the blessings that they have already received and to realize that we already have all that we need and that it's beyond our control. See, this idea of worry so troubled Jesus that he made it a central part of the Sermon on the Mount. See, one of his followers to break the circle of worry and, and to begin focusing on what was real, what mattered the most, the relationship with God, a depth of understanding that really surpassed our worries altogether. Because he said, worries cannot add another minute. Worries cannot add another day, another hour to your life. Worry just distracts you from the joy that God has already provided. And so the lesson for us The lesson for us to chase our worries to the corner, to leave them by the road, is that our worries will fade when we let God be in charge. Our worries will fade when we know that God cares about you and me so deeply. Our worries fade when we trust in God to provide. The first step of letting our worries just leave and stay by the wayside, to not pick them up and carry them with us every sense of the day, is to let go and let God be in control. To let go and to let God. Boy, wouldn't that make a great bumper sticker on the back of our cards? To let go and let God. Especially right now when they've closed the interstate and Carmageddon is upon us. Wouldn't it be great if we would just let go and let God? Hmm. Think about that. It's trite, sure, it's really simple to think about, but think about it, when we let God be in charge of our lives, the sooner that we find joy in life itself. We quit worrying about the things that we cannot control, we quit worrying about the future, 
I mean, control is really the issue, isn't it? I mean, we all want to be in charge. Some of us even think we are in charge. And yet, don't we know deep in our hearts that may not be true? See, when we find out that we're not in charge or when we finally just decide to let that burden go and that illusion beyond us, all of a sudden the burden is lifted off of our shoulders and we experience more in life. When I first started in ministry, I led a lot of youth mission trips and I was the responsible adult. Let me tell you, when you take a mission trip and you take 30 youth away to go somewhere to build houses or to go to foreign countries, what is the first thing you want to do? Come back with 30 youth. It's helpful. Preferably the same 30. You can't sometimes, sometimes you can convince them that it's a trade-up, but you never know. So that's the first responsibility. But you know, when you're responsible for a trip like that, you're responsible for making sure all the logistics, make sure that the plans are made, the tickets are bought, the vehicles are rented, make sure that all the drivers are screened, that the money is available, that the projects are lined up, that the supplies are there, that there's adequate housing, that all the kids show up and know what to pack and you have to make sure they know what to pack. So you check their bags. You tell them to show up 30 minutes before you need to leave because you know that one of them is still gonna show up as you're walking out the door the things you worry about. And you constantly spend your time counting heads and worrying about this. And so while every day you're doing the work, they all go to bed and dream of sugar plums or whatnot, and you're doing paperwork, worried about the next day. Now, don't get me wrong. That's the joy of doing youth ministry. But there's responsibility that's involved. and There's constantly this level of worry. So a friend of mine somewhere along the way says, hey, I'm doing a mission trip. I want you to go along. I said, what do you want me to do? He says, I just want you to go. You'll have fun. I thought, okay. What do I need to do? He says, I need you to show up at the airport on this day at this time with your passport and these things packed. Is that it? Yes. Do you know how freeing it is after lounging and counting heads for many years and worrying about all these logistics to show up at the airport with a bag on time and be handed a ticket and you get on the airplane and you don't have to count heads. You're one of the heads they count. It's freeing. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, I got got out of the airport, I got through customs. There's a sermon in that alone. I got through customs and got to experience a mission trip from a different perspective. To not have to worry, to not be burdened down by all the responsibilities and everything. And it was in that moment as I thought of that, and as I thought of this text this week, I thought, That's what God was really trying to get us to hear. Some of the things that we worry about are so far out of our control that we worry about them so much that we miss the joy of life around us. And so for the first thing, if we start to think about it, the things that are outside of our control, if we just let go and let God have them, think about the joy we would experience in life. What does that look like for you? What would that look like in your life if this afternoon you just let go of the things you're worrying about and let God be in charge? What would that look like? It's scary at first. It's unnerving. But think about how freeing that would be. I invite you to try that with me this afternoon. Try that. Just let go and let God. See, the second step of less worry is knowing that God cares for us. Since the dawn of creation, God has cared for all of humanity. 
We are God's blessed children. When he created male and female, what did God say? It was good. It means it was good. Creation was good and God loves us and God cares so deeply about us. When the Israelites were lost and wandering around in the Exodus for 40 years in the desert, they thought they were alone, but yet they knew they weren't. Why? Because God guided them by day by a column of fire and by night by a pillar, wait, by day by a column of smoke, at night by a pillar of fire. God was guiding them each and every step of the way. They never were without the presence of God. Guess what? The same is for us. God cares about us. God is with us each and every step of the way of our lives. And so one of the things that we do sometimes is to think about this and realize that our fears, our worries are rooted that we're alone and that we don't, no one understands what we've got to deal with. And yet God is with us, right? Well, if that's the case, then why are we worried so much? So this Thanksgiving day, here's what I invite you to do. Sometime in the course of the day, whenever it suits you, carve a moment out. Maybe you can zone out while the parade's on or just before the food coma sets in. But while that's happening, zone out and I want you to focus. Focus on all the blessings. Think back over the last year of your life and think about what has happened and what has transpired and think about all those times and think about what God has done, how God has been active, how God has walked with you, carried you, provided for you, blessed you. If you were to make a list of that on paper, chances are you'll fill up several sheets of your notebook. God cares about us. And God cares about us so deeply. Why do we worry so much? Let it go. Because God cares about us. And the third and final step is to trust that God will provide. See, God provides everything for us in our hour of greatest need. God is around us, providing us with love, with support, with strength, with guidance, with the Holy Spirit. It, the scriptures are true. That's why Jesus said it. The Lord will provide. Look at the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. Do they not worry? No, because the Lord provides for them. So as the story goes, years ago, there was a preacher preaching in front of a conference, a conference full of laity and clergy. He was a young man. It's the first time he'd ever been asked to preach this group, and there were thousands of people gathered in the auditorium, thousands of people there to hear what was happening at this wonderful conference. And so he's back in the green room, and he's just pacing around. I mean, he is as nervous as they can be, nervous as a, a cat in a, with a tail in a room full of rockers. I mean, he's just worried, right? He doesn't know what's going to happen. I mean, he's never done this before, not preaching, but in a crowd that's large. And he's so worried, and there's an, a more senior, more experienced minister and he's watched this young man pace and he's about driven nuts by and he gets up and he grabs him by the shoulders and he says, stand still. What's wrong? The man says, I am so nervous. I've never done this before. I've never preached in front of a crowd this large. What am I gonna do? And the more experienced minister with his hands on him still says, just sit down. The Lord will provide. The young man sits down and for a minute he's calm, all is well, and then he starts to think, he starts to get in his head again, he starts to fidget, shifting his weight in his chair, just wiggling, that sort of thing. And the experienced minister says, what is it now? What is it now? 
And the young preacher says, I'm so nervous. I, I mean, what am I going to do? What if I get up there and I, and I bomb? I mean, if I get up there and I don't know what I'm going to say, you know, uh, it'll, I'll be the laughing stock. I mean, I've never preached in front of a crowd this big. I mean, this is important. This is a big deal. I mean, what's going to happen? And he the, puts his hand on his shoulder and he says, son, relax. The Lord will provide. And the young man catches his breath again. And then he looks up, panic in his eyes, deer in the headlights look, and, this, and the minister says, what now? And sure enough, the man says to him, says, I just realized I left my Bible. I left my Bible in the hotel room. It's got my notes in it. What am I going to preach? What am I going to do? So I'm going to get up there and I'm going to open my mouth and nothing's going to come out. I'll be a laughing stock. Oh my goodness, whatever am I going to do? I can't go on stage. I can't do it. What am I going to do? And the more senior minister takes his Bible and puts it in his hands and says, take my Bible. Don't worry. The Lord will provide. And about that time, a guy that's sort of working as the MC comes into the room, is sort of keeping everybody there. He comes into the green room and he says to the young preacher, it's time, come on up, we're ready for you. And he comes out there and he's just as he walks out the door, the more experienced minister says, don't worry, the Lord will provide. Comforting words, right? So the, the young preacher gets to the pulpit, he still hears these words, he's still a little panicked. He opens the Bible and he begins to preach. Now he begins to preach the best sermon he's ever preached. I mean, the points are hitting home. The congregation is laughing. The congregation is engaged. I mean, it is an exceptional sermon. I mean, this is the best sermon they've ever heard. They're already talking about it in the pews. Like, can you believe this is awesome? He's still going. And the preaching is just continues and it continues. I mean, they're clapping, they're laughing, they're slaying the spirit. I mean, they're a little more Pentecostal than us, right? And they're really excited and they're cheering and they're laughing along. And at the end of the sermon, there's, everybody stands up with this thunderous roar, a standing ovation. Imagine if you could preach a sermon, there was a standing ovation how awesome that would be and he is just full of the spirit and full of himself and he is beaming 10,000 miles wide and he goes down the stairs back to where he was from and there's the more experienced minister and he is beat red he is livid and you could see it I mean there's veins popping out at any moment you're thinking I mean you can tell that he's about to blow the gasket and the young man gets down there and goes what did I do and he says son you preached the sermon I was going to preach tonight. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Hang on. It gets better. He go, and he says, what am I going to do? And the young preacher looks at him and says, don't worry, the Lord will provide. <laughs> now, truth be known, all kidding aside, preacher jokes are great unless you're the preacher and they're about you. All kidding aside, God knows what you and I need most. God knows what we need each and every day and the test of our faith, what our faith, the bedrock of it, the foundation are, is, is, that it's built on is to live deeply into that knowledge, to live deeply into the thought that God will provide for us in our hour of greatest need just what we need at the moment that we need it. And if that's the case, why do we worry? It's been said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you really go nowhere. See, worry cannot add another hour to our day, another day to our life, another minute. Worry can't just solve everything. Worry sort of comes one of two ways. Sometimes we get so worried about things, the things that we can do something about, that we get paralyzed. 
Well, the solution there, like what Sam found with the sheep, worrying about whether people would buy his wool, is work on getting the wool the best it can. So when we worry about things that we can do something about, rather than getting paralyzed, we've got to step forward and do something about it. But a lot of the things that we worry about are things that are well beyond our control, things that you and I cannot touch, whether it's going to rain today or what's going to happen tomorrow. And when we get to those things, we realize that they're beyond our control. The best thing for us to do, the scriptures tell us the best thing for us to do is to let go and let God be in charge. Let God be in charge of our lives and in doing so that we enjoy what God has provided for us. We find the joy in life itself. We get wrapped up in what really matters most because everything else we can't control, but we can experience what's right in front of us. We get worried about things that we cannot control, things that are beyond us. We can let go of that worry because we know that God cares about us. God wants to see us succeed. God wants to carry us over the dark spots. God God wants to fill in the potholes in our lives. God loves us because we are God's children. And finally, when we worry about things that are beyond us, We not only let go, not only know that God cares, but we just need to trust. We just need to have the faith that exists, the faith that God provides for us, the faith that we live into that says God will provide. Because in doing so, when we have that faith, when we just let it go, we just might realize that what we need is already in front of us. Our worries consumed us such that we were blind to it because God really does provide each and every day for you and for me and for the world around us. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.